Radio, The Fat Boy Show. From Daddy Yankee, we just heard the song Problema playing for you here on your number one station, RX Radio. Good morning, this is The Fat Boy Show. I am so glad that you could join me today. This beautiful Thursday morning, it is the 7th of October 2021. And guess what day today is? Well, today is Bring Your Bible to School Day. Bring Your Bible to School Day is a day that convinces students to carry their Bibles to school in support of their faith. Of course, right now in Uganda, the students can't easily do that. The schools are mostly closed. And so they're going to have to wait for the schools to reopen before they resume taking their Bibles to school. You know, back when I was a student, I did read the, the Bible quite a bit. Uh, although for me personally, uh, it uh, kind of took me in a different direction later on in life. And I would therefore at this juncture classify myself as an atheist. An atheist being someone who generally is not uh, religious, uh, doesn't really sort of uh, believe in a concept of a god in in the way that it's traditionally understood or, or in any way. Uh, and so a lot of times, uh, you know, people look at us strangely, like we're crazy, we're mad, we're, we're evil, <laughs> or we're stupid. And uh, I think that is the approach that uh, my guest today on the Fatboy Show takes when it comes to atheists. He has very few kind words to say about people like us. Timothy Kalejira is joining us today on the Fatboy Show. Hi, Tim. How are you doing today? I'm fine. Good morning. Uh, people listening in. Yeah. Good to have you. Uh, I don't know about uh, about you, but uh, well, it's a show I've been waiting for for quite some time. Yes, uh, ever since. Uh, so I think w- this goes back to when I think you were posting some comments on Twitter that were quite critical of atheists and non-believers, and I think somewhat quite one of your factual about atheists and agnostics. Okay, yes, one of your commenters tagged me to uh, your post. Because they, I guess they knew that I'm an atheist, so they're like, "Hey, c- come, come see what Timothy's saying about you guys." And I'm like, "Hey, Tim, let's have a debate." And many people were like, "Yeah, yeah, 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 yeah." Uh, and so, yeah, he- here we are making it happen—the long-awaited conversation. And and that's that is what I prefer personally. I think uh, debate sounds a bit too confrontational. Uh, conversation, in my mind, is 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 better because it's about people sharing ideas, right? Uh, and uh, sort of people drawing their own conclusions about or taking away whatever it is that made sense to them or not, rather than it be sort of like a showdown where, you know, we're on each other's necks, kind of like pasta sempa and full figure. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I'd much uh, rather avoid such a scenario. But uh, let's go back to you, Tim. So um, for those who are unaware, uh, can you let them know who you are? Well, as you just introduced me, uh, that's my name. What am I? Uh, in Uganda, usually, it's it, it, you just can't be a person, one of the many creatures on earth. You, you are a famous journalist. If, if that's what you say, fine. I am quite active on social media. Over the last uh, seven years, I've taken to photography at a, what you might call a serious hobby, uh, mm-hmm. stroke professional level. Then in January, late January, February, I added... Uh, Videographer. So I guess I'm what one might call a media person. I do a lot of data analysis and compilation. Yeah. So I am, I guess, a 21st century person. The multimedia, uh-huh. multi-layered world of information, research, internet, and so on. Philosophy. Well, uh, I think in the 
uh, 90s and the 2000s, you know, and uh, I would say maybe the early 2010s, you are quite famous for your uh, very intriguing political commentary. You've always had something to say. And I, and I think you were for the longest time publishing a weekly uh, column in uh, the Monitor newspaper, uh, which is something that a lot of us... Not, not, not to mention the radio critics. And also, <laughs> yes, uh, you used to be a very famous radio so, critic. I'll never forget, yes, I think you wrote a critique about uh, me and the people who were uh, new to Sunny FM around 1999. And, uh, you know, all of us in the radio industry at the time would always look forward to your opinion on uh, radio presenters and because your opinion was treated with respect uh, by people in Uganda. So so I guess in summary, in today's uh, lingo, you might say I'm a, a social media and a society influencer. There you go. <laughs> influencer. <laughs> well, uh, you are also a very staunch uh, believer. Uh, you are a believer in God. You're a, you know, Christian and uh, you believe in Jesus and the Bible and uh, all of that stuff. So, why do you view atheists the way that you do? Considering you are someone that I would view as an intellectual, meaning someone who likes to grapple with ideas, I would think you, are at the very least, are open to the possibility that on important issues in life, there is room for disagreement. And that one can disagree with another while not um, ascribing, you know, necessarily terrible motives to the other. Because it's very easy to do. I could say, oh, you know, you over there, you believe in this because you're a horrible person. Or you over there, you believe in something else because you're dumb. Uh, Isn't it more productive to, for there to be sort of a meeting of minds where someone can say, okay, here's what I think and here's why I disagree with you. And then you do the same. And then you sort of have sort of a healthy back and forth. And eventually along the way, those uh, following the conversation can maybe get some value out of it. Well, I don't know what that question is aimed for. I don't know if it's in response to the fairly disparaging remarks I made about agnostics and uh, atheists Mm. recently on Twitter. But then uh, that comment was made not to to criminalize them, not to say if you're an atheist or if you're, let's say, an agnostic, no, that's wrong of you, that's that's evil, that's sinful, not not. I was just trying to say that I've done exactly over the years the very thing you're describing, this idea of trying to engage them. You mentioned earlier that when you're in school, you took to reading the Bible, and mm-hmm. then it led you toward um, skepticism and eventually what you now describe as atheism. Now people like me, also in school, came from this original, you know, Anglican family. So traditionally, mm-hmm. it is just Sunday school, baptism, <laughs> Holy Communion. Uh-huh. It's just that routine. And then like most people, when you turn you know, to about, let's say, P7, or you find your primary school, early secondary school, most people typically drift off uh, religion. It really just remains nominal Christmas, New Year, and mm. a few basic things. If there's a wedding, somehow it just must be at church and can't explain why. You didn't like really have an intellectual approach to tackling those yes. questions. So, so I just, so I just, I just floated uh, into that early teen world in which now music and things like that mm-hmm. become more like more important and more interesting to you than that religion which you always had. Just as as I say, carry this Bible to church during the high church festivals, Christmas, Easter, New Year, but without really questioning it. Mm-hmm. The questioning and that discovery begins for me around the age of 15. That's S3. 
when okay. now once again and you're in Namasagali for those no no as in this school in Western Uganda for protocol in Yakasura Namasagali was A level okay okay by A level of course I'd already you know worked out many of these things so it starts me in this journey as well these are things we've always been told just by faith as kids we just sent to church sit you know kids sit at front they have to Sunday school the main service the adults you know St. John's when I start the intellectual journey now studying this book this bible mm-hmm. and this whole question of reality and, and god and whatever critically it starts becoming fascinating because it seems more real than all this belief we had originally so when you said you started doing more reading on it do you mean the scriptures themselves or like other materials like the other philosophers and other schools okay, of thought? books and materials that quote okay in others what began fascinating me was to discover religious groups as i say many of us um, you know typical east africa it's either one of the other it's mm. anglican if you're a christian it's anglican or catholic a few orthodox seven day adventists but the mainstream really in uganda is anglicans and catholics mm-hmm. so i began to see these are the groups that take an intellectual view of their religion the jehovah's witness types mm-hmm. those who actually yes they believe in the bible mm-hmm. but then they also do a lot of research into archaeology history you know and start comparing texts and everything i think you're right uh, i've had conversations with jehovah's witnesses and i must say of the people engaged in uh, what is sometimes called christian apologetics i think they have the the best grasp of of the facts of the matter why because they themselves are also a bit fringe within the christian circle so they are often finding themselves having to debate with fellow christians uh, to prove to them that they know what they're talking about uh, and so they have been well trained in the art of debate and argumentation and uh, i would have to say i've enjoyed plenty of conversations and debates with jehovah's so, witnesses so that's where this my journey begins and then i start you know reading farther and farther and then interesting it's it's that's kind of intriguing my mind the thought of a what we all took for granted as truth what we were told exists from baby class and you know early primary school is actually more at this at that time historically real mm-hmm. or plausible and then is has an overlap with science as in isn't in conflict sense as you might have imagined now that's that's fascinating so ah so you had grown up believing that there was some kind of disparity no 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 like anyone as i said it really was just okay you were not thinking about it it was just uh christmas time um and then it's of course the the, the tree the decorations uh-huh. mary and joseph the nativity plays if in primary school that sort of thing you just grew up believing there's a god jesus who died for sins that's why there's this big uh, festival called christmas toward the end of the year and so on and that's why many of us are called andrew john james peter and so on mm-hmm. god exists so then to start doing actual research and study and find that a hey, what we believed what we took you know the the grim uh, fairy tales the mm-hmm. hans christian andersen is actually quite literal there wasn't just a rapunzel or a steel skin there actually was a person in denmark called rapunzelskin and yes there's some flair in the fairy tale but there was a man a hunchback in Denmark in a village called ABC called Rampostilskin it isn't just very hills that interesting okay, so so you, yes. you so okay so as you kept studying uh, you were surprised to find that what you had considered previously to be maybe myths and folktales no 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 what no no you, what, you found what, there to be some 
backing. No, no, no. What I no, what I previously um, took by faith as truth, as historic truth, now had a factual basis. Yes, and then what shocked me was when now it came to like um, all of we had choosing you know, all these final subjects mm-hmm. for the NAB exams. So to add, I think a ninth subject, I added divinity. No, religious, relig- some kind of religious studies. Okay. CRE. And then there's this, I'm studying, I, there's, and of course, one of the papers in the UNEP syllabus at the time was the study of St. Luke's Gospel. And then I'm going through this book and I start seeing photos of Jericho, the ruins of Jericho, and so on, so as well, and this person's presence wait. These things that we always just took by faith as existing in the Bible mm-hmm. actually do exist in history. That's a photograph. That's the place. These places actually do exist. Now that the places that were spoken of and written about in the Bible, which we as children, just you now are seeing. Yes. You are seeing physical proof of their there existence. There are photographs of places called Bethlehem, Nazareth. Isn't just a mythical place. It's not La La Land. This place does. It's exist. not Narnia. Exactly. <laughs> this is not Nirvana. This place does exist. It intrigued me so much that when the final results came after um, we started exams, I got a D one in religion. I was so intrigued by. What I always took for granted as truth mm-hmm. now did have much more historical and archaeological backing than expected. And in that immersion, I just ended up getting a distinction more. All right. And I'm sure now that sort of opened the door to even more questions where you went reading more and you found yourself continuously surprised at how much uh, of what you believed could be defended and proven by what you were reading in the literature, whether it be scientific or historical or geographical. Is, is, that, is that what your journey and looked that like? that continues intriguing me to this day. How, at least the Bible, I don't know about uh, the Quran or other books, but at least how the Bible mm. appears like fairy tales from cover to cover until it starts scratching the surface. And then, as in there's more, it's more literally, you know, it's, you know, like a, a book written, a factual book written as a, like a fairy tale, which ah. then gets many people to, because it's written like a fairy tale and has all these fanciful stories of chariots flying in the sky. Yes, and yes, yes. Water parting. Then you discover when you go farther and farther, some of it is symbolic, but in the factual underlying. But to me, it is the fact of the historicity of this book. It just still amazes me. Okay, so I guess, would it be fair to characterize your current position as uh, a believer uh, who takes the view that uh, a lot of what is discussed in the Bible, its central message, many of its uh, historical uh, narratives are backed up by what we can find in the real world. And so your, I guess, your question for atheists would be, how is it that in the face of all this that you would still have doubts? Is, is, is that where your attitude towards an atheist or an agnostic might come from? To, to You're like, some, can't you see what I'm seeing? Y- yes, to some degree. Okay, I can. If I were to put myself in the shoes of the, your typical, especially agnostic, I can sort of understand how many people, especially Anglicans and much more so Roman Catholics, tend at a certain stage to get skeptical when they become adults. Many people tend late in life in their 20s and onward to become uh, agnostics or atheists when you track down the history they seem to have grown up like many of us in this Jesus, Mary and the shepherds and the wise men stories and then sort of like had this drought this 20 year drought Mm -hmm. or 30 year drought of religion 
and then suddenly at the age of 40, 35, or whichever age, start questioning these things. And then from that point onward, it is like poor us being told all these fairy tales. So many people's concept of uh, religion, or at least Christianity and the Bible, sort of seems to have got stuck at about the age of 12, 11. And then there's this 20-year period of no research, no nothing. And then as adults, they make what is rightly... Uh, I guess logical conclusions. How can you tell me the world was created in six days? Ha ha ha. And how do you tell me that, you know, God said, let there be light? Ha ha ha. You know what language did he say? So that's the way they become agnostics or skeptics. In between that is now where my accusation came in of if they took the time to actually go and, yes, be open minded and be skeptical, but actually take the time to study these things mm-hmm. don't just don't go to, from one extreme of childlike belief in Mary and Jesus and Joseph and the angels and the wise men the shepherds to hardcore skepticism without the interim bit of go study these things find out do these things exist when they say and behold in the fourth year of the Roman Emperor Augustus whoever I called a census mm-hmm. there was a Roman Emperor called Augustus and if these gospels had been typical la la land or let's say the Wizard of Oz, you know, pure fiction, then they'll not have mentioned some of those historical figures that you can cross check. In others, my contention, not not damnation, not anger, not irritation, but just my kind of like gentle <laughs> despair with people like those is that yes, I can see why in this scientific technological, you know, Hubble Space Telescope era, you find all this really just like childish uh, fairy tales. But then go further than that. Go and listen to those. The scientists, including in Switzerland at some of these um, advanced facilities and research labs who actually do believe in God. There are people who grew up in the Soviet Union or China in the period of atheism and communism who now became religious. What inspires people like those? You know, in between that do your homework do your homework (laughs) be open-minded but don't don't become so hardcore skeptical and then ignore the evidence right in front of your eyes okay well let us discuss uh in uh, just in the moments ahead uh, what some of that evidence is and i too shall share my own perspective my journey and uh how i came to what i believe right now or what i don't believe i should say <laughs> uh that's coming up on the fat boy show our guest today is timothy kaliajira it's been a long awaited conversation you know you've been uh, uh agitating for us to do this well here we are we are doing it and it uh, continues in just a moment for now though let's listen to some music we'll be right back rx radio the fat boy show from athena cage beautiful track called all or nothing playing for you here on rx radio the music today is so on a point i'm telling you sometimes in life it's all or nothing for some people it's there is god or there is no god and then there's people in the middle that say, mm, maybe, maybe there is, maybe there isn't. I don't know. To which people like Timothy will say, make up your mind. Uh, don't be lazy. <laughs> Timothy Kalejira is our guest today on The Fat Boy Show. And today we're talking spirituality. Uh, we're talking about uh, how Timothy believes that uh, atheists and agnostics and the like 
are people who really don't put in the necessary work to properly understand uh, the issues that are driving them to hold the views that they hold uh, on social media. Timothy has been quite critical and has used quite uh, colorful language uh, to really let it be known that uh, he he doesn't have too much uh, love for atheists or agnostics. No, well, that's how I'm putting it. Actually, no, no, just correct. Actually, I do not have any antipathy and hostility toward them whatsoever, including people like you, so don't worry not. I'm not <laughs> one of these narrow, angry people. If you don't believe in Jesus, then you know I can't even speak to you and it's abomination. No, I can't stand perfectly. But it's really, it's more, okay, let me just give you some analogy. It's more like some girl who you know grew up innocent in some family mm-hmm. got a boyfriend who then broke her heart when she was in you know s5 or something 17 year old mm-hmm. and that was her first boyfriend and from that day onwards all boys all men are bad all men are the same is she wrong though no no <laughs> okay maybe but that's a whole, that's, a, kidding, that's a whole other topic so it, 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 now it, to some degree to cope with her pain disappointment sense of rejection and all that it now the defense mechanism becomes all men are the same all, and this the typical comment in social media all men are trash and I can see where she's coming from men don't help their cause when women say men are trash you can really understand where a woman is coming from but then after that point mm-hmm. my my view now uh, regarding the atheists and agnostics is okay yes I can see why you feel you sold all this fairy tales as religion but now go the next step if all men are trash it can be is your dad trash your dad <laughs> loves you are your brothers trash as well your favorite uncles some of those people have really just been you know a wonderful blessing in your life a pleasure who took you to school mm-hmm. look after. then she can't explain that so then you bring a, a gentleman she's now turning I don't know something and mm-hmm. you say okay I'm not getting married there's this friend really nice person so on and then they agree to meet on their first date he, the date's supposed to start at 2pm he comes at 3 minutes past 2 was stuck in a traffic jam or something and then what's her response I told you all men are trash you should have been here too but he's here he came three minutes later and okay, so I, saying, I get what you're essentially looking for every spec every reason not to I let heard. down your guard and he say yeah. he sent you eight message and said he was just running late and three minutes is not is not one hour late so but now because she's looking for this confirmation bias he's a nice guy I'm afraid I might be opening up to him and I'm vulnerable once again and what if he lets me down so you begin looking for the little space ah he came late by three minutes can't date him all men are trash I think you have a valid point um, because you know I have interacted with many atheists and people arrive at their positions for you know for different reasons it's not always the straight and narrow path of you know critical thinking and scientific analysis and therefore this is the conclusion they reach a lot of people have negative experience with religion they some people feel that their religious experience was oppressive and there could be some grounds for that um because you know the church the you know the official church over the years has not always been the best in terms of behavior um you know we can look at uh, the middle ages to see some of many of the horrors that were committed in the name of religion uh, some might even say colonialism uh, was also, uh, you know, religion rather used the colonialism to, or is it the other way around? Yes, the colonialists used religion to take over us. Yes, is what and of they course say. today's endless pedophile scandals. Right now, a feminist will say, "Oh, 
don't get me started on religion. Just look at all these chapters and verses telling us to be subordinate to men. You get it. Therefore, I hate religion and I hate God. All religion is trash, yes. Right. So there's people that arrive at their skepticism and atheism for really emotional reasons. I I fully accept that. Uh, I would say that uh, I come at this uh, from a more, me personally, I would say an intellectual position. So to you, if I may ask, if you feel, if you meet an atheist who, by your assessment, would have done the homework that you think they need to do, and then, having done that homework, they reach the conclusion they reach, would you be as critical of such a person compared to someone who was just completely dismissive and didn't bother to even my look step, at the information? My, my stepmother was religious. She mistreated me. So from that day onwards, all religion is bad. And you, you try and explain to this person and then he or she is right. just, it's really just reacting against the stepmother, that sort of thing. So to answer your question, if somebody in good faith taking down that intellectual path, asking the right questions, you know, those including some questions asked in the Bible the, by the Nicodemus yes. how do you tell me a person can be born again that genuine seeking after knowledge perfect no problem no condemnation no nothing because at the end of the day it still will come down to perception is what my conclusion has become because it's just like the let's say like a radio uh, receiver you must for, for information to be understood or for a radio TV broadcast to be broadcast and received, there must be the broadcast um, and then the receiver. In other words, if let's say there's a frequency, you know, whichever, Capital FM, Malawi, Lilongwe, 96.4, there must be, for you to tune in, for you to receive the broadcast of that radio station, you must tune in to 96.4 and in Lilongwe, in Malawi, and then you receive that. So also, for things uh, like ideas, even away from religion, with ordinary matters, let's just take an example. Um, a fashionable woman is at home and she has this very nice Gucci or, I don't know, uh, Dolce & Gabbana handbag. Mm-hmm. costs $220. Really nice high-end handbag. And sitting there is her favorite cut. Looking indifferently at this thing. Tell me how you'd explain to that cut that this is not just a thing. The cat, if the cat were able to speak, would say, I just see a thing. What's that? A thing. It's just matter. But then it's more than just, a, the cat would logically so in see, in other words, comprehension, it's more than just, in other truth or reality is not just about the inherent qualities or traits or features, but also the perception of the person. You know, the, the cliche of half glass, glass half full half empty mm-hmm. now if the atheist did all his homework and arrived at a glass that's half empty and then a believer does all his homework and it's half full then you're at an impasse so at the end of the day it comes down to perception so that woman will tell her cat yes technically you're right when you say this is just matter because a handbag is made of materials mm-hmm. leather you know plastic and so on uh-huh. but I don't know this one other bit you just can't see. This isn't just matter. This is there a is something. Bag. Yes, something it is a thing called a handbag. A handbag. There's a reason why those so things... So I feel are... like, do you think, and I have over the years come to uh, think that it may not be that atheists don't believe in God per se, but rather they might believe in something that they might call a different name but which a believer might say is God. So, for example, uh, typically, 
debates between believers and non-believers, atheists and theists, center around the origin of the universe, the origin of life, these sorts of things. You know, the bigger questions about existence. How is it that life came to be, the universe, and so forth? And, uh, you know, a believer might say, well, uh, everything is so intricately and nicely designed and organized and coordinated. Therefore, we believe that there was a a designer in place who set up everything to work like clockwork and therefore that designer that entity is the entity we call god now different religions will ascribe their own preferred traits to this god uh for some this god will look like an elephant for others it it, it may be a, a man with a gray beard sitting on a throne in the sky for others it may be a, a dragon or it can be a woman uh, and all these are their interpretations of that being that they, to whom they ascribe the, the, the power behind how everything came to be. Now, as an atheist, I, t- I would say that I, I believe that we do have um, the universe is set up in such a way that there are intricate systems that make it possible for things like matter to exist, energy, time and space and uh, for even life to eventually spring up. Although my conclusion would differ from a theist where I would say, I don't think that whatever was behind all of it is necessarily a sentient being. I feel like it's possible, theoretically, for the universe to either have existed eternally uh, because time and space is a function of the universe. Outside of the universe, there is no such thing as time and space. And our how can I say, our perception of space and time is based on the fact that we exist within this universe in which if you existed outside of the universe, there would not even be time and space, which is why a believer would even say God is timeless. He's a timeless being beyond time and has existed eternally. Since a believer can say that about God, I feel comfortable to say that about the universe. And if I'm put to task to explain how then this universe either could have just existed eternally or could have the properties that lent itself to creating life, I would be happy to say, I don't know. In just the same way, a believer, if I put him or her to task to say, okay, this God you say did all these amazing things, how did he come into being? How is he eternal? A believer too would say, I don't know. I would think. But I can say, no. How do you know? Well, my and what do you know? My theory, well, regarding uh, that, uh, well, millennia-old question: uh, who made God? And secondly, um, I guess that's what you're driving at. How can how can something come out of nothing? There must be, even if however far back you go in time, space, and so on, and you know, travel between time and the black holes and all this. There still must be that question: who made God? And my argument, which yes, I know sounds simplistic. Mm-hmm. From, We've had it all before. Yes. Your mom said, uh, James, don't bother me. There are some things that cannot be created, and God is one of them. There mm-hmm. are some things that exist pre existent, taken right. by faith. And yes, for the more logical people, especially as we get older, that doesn't make sense. But my view is that it is possible in theory, in philosophy, in logic, for some things to exist eternally without cause. Now, I am and God will be one of them. I can give some others. Thank you. So I am happy to grant you that premise. Uh, I guess my only contention with a believer would be that they seem to be very selective regarding how it can be applied. So why is it that those properties could only be applied to a sentient being we're calling a God and not to the universe itself? 
You said God is one of those things. What are the other things you think would be timeless and are outside the bounds of space and time? Okay, let's let's give an example of um, let's say mathematical fact. Mm-hmm. Um, under normal circumstances, um, one plus one equals two. Mm-hmm. One bottle and a second bottle is two bottles. That's yes. simple. One plus one equals two. Yes. That mathematical fact, the arithmetical fact of when you get two units of things and three units of things together become five, is a truth for all time. Even if there was no light, no universe, no nothing, if nothing ever existed at all, including the universe itself, and so and including there were no people to discuss mathematics. Even if mathematics itself as a subject. Okay, that, that sounds contradictory. Okay, let's just say there was nothing at all that existed, including mathematics. Still, still. in that eternal world, two plus two would some, still be four. It is still if, if, <laughs> if, not, if nothing one and nothing two were put together, that would be like two nothing. So in other words, there's certain things um, like mathematics, certain truth of a certain type so, is, it, is, is, is independent of so if a an, universe. So if an atheist were to say mm. that that is precisely how they view the universe, yes. um, in your opinion, that it, that it, it, it's an inferior position to hold than the position that there is a God that created everything? Uh, uh, yes, I, I would not... Uh, first, in answering the atheist or the skeptic, I would say that it is possible, as I said, just given the example of mathematics, some things can be self self-existent, non-created, self-evident, and will always be true anywhere in time, space, and the universe, and even including even if the universe and reality as we know it does not exist. But somehow, if if in that nothingness, some argument were made by something or some concept, still one plus one would always be two, even if there are no objects to count. So, your view then, of course, becomes a glass half empty. You'll say, you see? So, let me ask you. Yes. So, is this your approach? Tell me if I'm right or wrong. So, you take that and then you add all the other evidences that you find compelling, you know, like the historical aspects, like the relics, the archaeological finds that sort of speak to the stories that, hmm, that sort of provide some proof of some of the stories that are told in the Bible or some historical context for them. Uh, and then... Uh, we know we haven't even talked about things like uh, evolution and uh, <laughs> the, the origin of species. We haven't talked about that yet. But I would guess that you then sort of rely on the preponderance of evidence. So you add it all together, and in your mind, it builds a solid case for the existence of God. Is that correct? Uh, uh, first of all, okay. Now regarding that that uh, much maligned book called the Bible, from the latest. I have studied research and whatnot, the latest findings in cosmology, astrophysics and whatnot. Even if the rest of the Bible were just fiction created by you know Jewish uh, scribes and all that's just ancient um, shepherd myths and uh, fables, the first two or three verses of the book of Genesis rhyme at least with science, at least from what those clever minds that are not me have discovered. So, my argument to answer your question would be at this stage, just logically, even if I were an atheist or let's say an agnostic, I in particular, I would say the evidence roughly defaults to it leans more. It leans more, even if margin, even if to like 57% against 43, the evidence, the logic leans more to 
a great possibility of a being higher than us existing. Because if you think of these people who've created all this uh, technology today, my view is that artificial intelligence now, machine learning, and all the latest robotics, ironically, the farther we develop these properties, the more it makes me appreciate this thing called life. I mean, these billion-dollar, multi-million dollar robotics from artificial intelligence to, you know, the Alexa speakers and self-driving cars and all that, the mm-hmm. drones. It's like the amount of effort, technical um, research, precision it takes to create this thing. And then, like, there's, there's a discussion, German TV once, DWTV, and they put all these 10 and, uh, you know, 80-year-old children to interact with these robots. So the teacher says, so what do you think? And this kid say, yes, it speaks like a human being. Half speaks like a human being. Yes, it does a few things, but not quite. It just, it's just. Not, but not aren't quite. you? Don't you think you're being a bit unfair? Mm. Because I feel like it's just a matter of time that we might reach a point where these machines, these AIs, might soon be indistinguishable. But but those from actual ve- humans. Yes, but as I say, but there are things you can see. There are things. Have you not seen that the sex robots that are being made? They're, they're starting to look more and more human-like. Y- y- yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, yes, but you see, the farther they go. Go, the more even they themselves it's, it's almost like a mirage in the road the closer you get it's always out of reach yes there seems to be like a lake in the middle of the road on a hot day but the closer you come the more you appreciate how far you still are from this it's but just are you telling me say in in 2000 years of human development and scientific advancement you don't you don't think you do you think it's absolutely beyond the realm of possibility that we could create a synthetic being that rivals a human. And the reason why that's very difficult, okay, if you are to be logical and philosophical about things, never say never. That's it's fine. certainly possible. Yes, I, yes, but I'm just saying that that even if even if you even if you multiply your let's say iPhone 13, the latest uh, Pro Max, mm-hmm. multiply it into you know iPhone number 40, and then comes 6G and then 7G mm-hmm. internet speeds and internet of all things and whatnot, still that. As I say, the level at which you are today is advanced enough. Oh, of course, we know all the mechanical work, the computing. Yes. That they will beat us. But this thing called consciousness. There's one of these people that told the BBC, a business program. One of these scientists at the Mm -hmm. the cutting edge of AI said that the most advanced of AI systems today, at best, just have the intellect, 5% the intellect of a cockroach. So now, yes, you might say years and years from now. It's capable. possible. <laughs> well, 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 even even without artificial intelligence, just cranes. But probably it, before before they even get to that point, they would have wiped out humanity. Yes, but, but let's just say... <laughs> that if, day is coming, probably. But even, even if that doesn't happen, okay, away from the digital and robotics and artificial intelligence, even at the ordinary level of cranes, wheels, cars, you know, radio, mm-hmm. we've had enough technology that in terms of the physical does so much more than human beings, pulleys, levers and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then, as I say, every living human being, or at least almost every, knows that intangible thing that can't quite have a finger put on it. The thought of I am here with this thing. Yes, it answers my questions in that kind of like computerized sense, but it's I can now appreciate the difference between speaking to a friend mm-hmm. and to this thing. And the very fact that this thing itself must be, of course, pre-programmed heavily with software and all those mm-hmm. instructions by human beings, well, makes the point. It just needs just one little thing, <laughs> one little error, and just goes off course. And that's why you can see, with all the advancement of these self-driving cars, 
to create a self-driving car, whether it's by Tesla or by Google, mm-hmm. you can see the amount you have to do. Even to create those blades, let's say for people, you know, like Oscar, mm-hmm. South African Blade Runner, or to replace, to create this artificial arm, the, the amount of research, the amount of investment makes you just uh, wonder if you talk about evolution, if you say all this evolved over millions of years, this complex life we call a human being mm-hmm. took all those billions of years, why is it that this concerted effort that wasn't just hit or miss and gradual, mm-hmm. but really intensive in labs, you know, mechanical mm-hmm. to produce a living being, why mm-hmm. is it that all this effort to produce mm-hmm. life, to produce a being, to produce a robot, Alexa speaker, whichever Siri of mm-hmm. Apple, why is it still so far from what you call living human conscience and then how is it that the randomness produces something so much more advanced than the concerted billion dollar research based uh, that's because okay my uh, my answer to that would be oh, how, how I process that argument is um, think of the earth so let's say we're thinking earth before life okay uh, so earth is a dry rock and uh you know, maybe there's a few microorganisms. Let, let's say we're at that point. Okay. Uh, so whatever you might think of Tesla, Tesla is like one facility, one factory, maybe a thousand scientists at work. But the Earth to me is one gigantic, enormous, infinite, almost infinite lab in which the environment is carrying out experiments like millisecond by millisecond millisecond by millisecond all kinds of uh, microorganisms are being exposed to all kinds of environmental conditions and uh, depending on how those organisms react to the environment if in case it happens to help um, you know if, if one organism is able to adapt to an environment that allows it to thrive more, then those traits get passed on to the next generation and then incrementally and incrementally. Uh, so when I look at it that way, the Earth as a giant lab where a trillion, trillion experiments are taking place every second, I think it wouldn't surprise me if thousands of years down the road, through that process of error, uh, and, and and correction that eventually you end up with what looks like a, a creature with very complex uh, nervous system, complex uh, bone structure, muscle system, and all of these things. As far as I'm, I'm happy to accept that notion. Uh, and it, in my mind, it wouldn't raise. It, do, it doesn't sound so far out of the realm of possibility that that is how I can explain. A diversity of life and diversity of species. Because looked at as, you know, if, if I were to point to any specific human lab where scientists are at work 24 hours a day, I wouldn't be able to compare that to what the Earth is doing every second of the day, subjecting everything to every kind of experiment, uh, okay, without supervision. So over time, I think eventually you shouldn't be surprised to see that uh, certain things are able to arise. Uh, naturally, and so that 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 is my naturalistic interpretation of how life came to be and how the you know the what explains the diversification of the species. E- even if, as I say, even if the the rest of the Bible is fiction, go and do your research. The first the, the sequence of the appearance of light and all these things, matter and whatnot, as scientifically proven, rhymes with Genesis one 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 two one three. The rest of it, Abraham, Jesus, Revelation, Matthew, even if all that were false, just for that first section, the first the first chapter of 
Genesis. All the first three or four verses of Genesis reflect exactly what science has now confirmed. And to me, if and if the very first step, if just that very first unit of truth in the Bible, Genesis 1, 1, 1, 2, 1, 1, 3, if those have now been born out by science, that for me is sufficient. Well, to, I want to, say, to say what else might this book <laughs> thank you so much Timothy Kalijira you've taken us on a wild roller coaster ride and uh, for those who are asking for us to get together to have this uh, debate or conversation I hope uh, you know you've enjoyed it uh, there's definitely been so much I've learned from Tim I think this is uh, has been a very you know spirited no pun intended uh, <laughs> dialogue and I hope uh, to have more of it uh, in future. You've been listening to RX Radio and you still are. And uh, don't go anywhere. More great music continues. Uganda's King of Radio, unleashed and unplugged. The Fat Boy Show.